Welcome to Well Played Podcast, a show on all things playful and joyous in education. I'm your host, Michael Matera, sixth grade teacher, author, speaker, and co-founder of EMC2 Learning, the greatest community of educators around. Well Played is part of On Podcast Media Network, and today we are diving in with a new guest, somebody brand new to the show, uh, Sean Morardi, and we are discussing in this episode, full first year of gamification. I love, love having this sort of topic on the show, but before we dive in any further, I'd love for Sean to introduce himself. Sure thing. Thank you for uh, having me and inviting me on, Mike. Um, so I am uh, a sixth grade ancient civilizations teacher in central Massachusetts. Um, I'm in my third year at the middle school level, having done several years at the high school level prior. Um, and the full year gamification is something I've been thinking about in various iterations for several years and then really started uh, – planning out in my head once the COVID pandemic hit and I had a chance to sit down and, and pour over some books, including Explore Like a Pirate. And and uh, last year teaching remotely, I, I decided to push it off a little bit. I didn't think that was the time to try to roll out this game. So we did it this year and it's been fantastic. Nice. I love it. So there's a, there's a whole lot there, Sean, that I love. So one, you kind of took that downtime, that, that year, that year inside where we were all cabined up and you decided to like, Hey, let's use this time to sort of plant some seeds. And you knew that you could harvest those later. And Absolutely. that's exactly what you're doing this year. And I love that it's going well. Uh, so <clears throat> for those of you who don't gamify yet, uh, I'm going to ask this of Sean and I'm curious his take and, and where you're at. What was, kind of something that was intimidating for you to get started on this like what was like one of your first hurdles or boulders in your path and maybe if if you could like how does that boulder look now i think for me uh just my personality type if i'm going to roll something out in the classroom i want all of my ducks in a row i want to have redundancies and backup plans in place and with gamification, the way I wanted to do it, I wanted kind of this whole script of, of how I wanted things to go um, mm-hmm. ahead of time so that, you know, if, if for some reason I fall behind in, in some way, whether it's personally, professionally, whatever, uh, that, that I've kind of have this built in. And that was the hard part for me was rather than, uh, giving myself a little bit of breathing room and, and reminding myself that it's good to be able to be fluid and respond, react. I was, I was far too worried about making sure I had everything from day one to 180 kind of set up in my mind and all the different mechanics and elements, how they would work, how they would interact. Um, and so that was my big problem. My big obstacle was I was making this out to be something really unwieldy in my mind. Um, more than I needed to. Yeah, that. So that's, I guess, now here's the rounding the corner. Now you've done it uh, like three quarters of the year. Uh, looking back on that boulder, looking back on that logic of having 180 days plus some redundancies. Uh, I don't know how how does that boulder look today. It, it's so it's it's 
it's something one of my sister had had used to remind me uh, when when she and I were both at the same time going through chemotherapy treatments about not making mountains out of molehills, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this experience was. Was I was making a mountain out of a series of small little molehills, and rather than just kind of facing it as it was, because that script I've written uh, is there. Are, you know, probably seventy five percent of that is still being used, but a lot of that. I've kicked to the curb. I've modified. I've gotten feedback from the kids about I really like this part, or this part wasn't as fun. And uh, so it's, it's a living, breathing ecosystem of of fun that we're still kind of working our way through. And I'm already now, um, even though we still have th- another quarter of the year to go, I've already started making my plans for next year about like how am I going to tweak this? What am I going to do to that? How am I going to upgrade this? Level this up? Um, and so all that work ahead of time, that prep work to try and, and make sure that I had this thing just perfect. Um, you don't know what perfect is. You don't know what's going to work, what's not. So um, just give it a shot. Be willing to, to, to fail forward and, and keep moving. Yeah, some really good advice there for the new Game of Fire out there listening. Or if you're a uh, Game of Fire that's done this for a while and you're trying to get that colleague across the hall, you know, maybe have them listen to this episode because, like, what Sean just pointed out is so, so true that, I mean, really both sides of the fence. I mean, teachers in general want to look as professional and put together in front of their students. It's a vulnerable situation. And so anytime you're trying something new, you're putting a piece of your heart out there in front of the students and you want it to go well, right? Uh, and, and, as such, we tend to want to like plan, plan over plan. Uh, but I love hearing Sean's other side of this, right? That a plan is good, right? That, that like you have to have a goal or you have to have a direction, right? So definitely like put some thought into it, of course. But at the end of the day, your description of the living, breathing, the organicness of a of a good game, and especially one that is. I don't know if live action is the right word to use, but I mean, like these these kids are playing the game, like in their life. Like this isn't a video game. This isn't a board game. This falls into like this unique space of having elements of video and board and role play. Like, and it's just this interesting cross section. But as such, you really almost shouldn't plan it all like all out, right? Like, be responsive. I love your point about the kids saying this element was awesome. Well, then double down on that element, you know, or sit at home and think through a 2.0 version of that element, you know, uh, and your kids are going to be the, the greatest sort of factor in all of this because you, you and I, I tell this to the kids all the time. I've never played my game. Like I've designed it. I've had hundreds and hundreds of kids come through the game so i think i've tweaked it based on those student feedback but like i don't i don't know what it what your experience is in the game and i think one way that that comes front and center for me is actually with item development because they can tell me the pain points they're like oh i so wish we were able to do x and you're like oh like that could that could be an item like that's not too overpowered and like i would love for you to be able to do x i didn't realize that was a pain point like right okay now if you do all these things you can earn the ability to do x yeah 
I love yeah, that. I've got I have a little notebook in my on my desk at at school where uh, any time that there's something where they just make a flat out suggestion, like I wish there was a card for X Y Z, or or like you're talking about the pain points where just that little light bulb goes off, where I'm just scribbling down. Oh, you know what? We could do this. We could do that. I can try to figure out a way to make this happen. Um, because these are, again, these are the things that you're getting the feedback from the kids who are playing it. Um, and, and it, the whole experience is for them as it is. So being able to get that feedback and know what's working, what's not, how it can improve that. Um, I mean, that's the whole point of it. So, yeah. So another question I have for you is being new. Sometimes the perception outside of a gamified class before they do it, right? Or when you're trying to tell that teacher, like, you should try this. The question I often get is, there's this belief that, like, every moment in my class is like some simulation slash game. And I don't know your exact game, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Like, the the look and feel of my class compared to the look and feel of anybody else's class is... I mean, on a lot of levels, remarkably similar. Like, I'm, there isn't constantly points, and not every single moment is themed out. I don't have every, like, activity wrapped into my realm of nobles. There's plenty of just, yeah, we're learning about the Romans today, and let's learn about the Roman Senate, and we talk about that, we do that. We do some, maybe, activity or something, but, like, none of it's about realm of nobles. And then there are other days where I wrap it in, but, like, I'm curious, uh, was that something that you worried about up front is that something you figured out pretty early on that it's not every moment has to be gamified per se like i'm curious your experience yeah so it's i try to explain it to people um whether it's an administrator a parent uh another teacher whoever it might be that that in reality most of what i'm doing is what i've always done it's it's just it's dressed up a different way uh and not even everything is necessarily dressed up a certain way there's there are plenty of days where it looks like it did three years ago mm-hmm. um and and so the big thing for me is i try to insert most of what we're doing into some sort of storyline um so that it fits our game um but it's really just hey so in our case uh, I left it up during our remote learning. I I knew I was going to do this this year. And so at the end of the last school year, I, I used my students as kind of a focus group and and trying to get a theme. They they went into the idea of Indiana Jones. And so I've picked the brain of Ryan Stevens a whole lot. Yeah, I'm but, sure you did. Yeah. And so what I've done is is this whole idea, everything we're doing is this idea of helping out Indiana Jones and, uh, trying to stop this arch villain that we've created. Um, and so it's, if we're reading a text on right now, we're doing ancient Egypt. So if we're reading a text on the book of the dead, um, you know, it's, it's the same activity perhaps that I would have done in the past or in a normal school year. But now it's kind of just up front. I just tell them, you know, Hey, we're trying to, you know, for whatever reason, Indiana Jones or Sala or whoever it might be, we need to investigate this. And that's really all it is. It's just, we're investigating this. We're learning this. We're trying to uncover this, dig up this artifact. Um, and, and the day to day is largely what it would be, uh, in, in a non gamified classroom. 
Yeah, I like to think about it as sometimes I'm a camera guy. So I like to sometimes think about it like a camera, right? School, you know, that might be the body of the camera. Like our instruction might be like the lens, right? And so your classroom, my classroom, who's gamified? We got the body, we got the lens, right? And I just feel like gamification is like that focal ring. And it's just snapping it into a little more clarity. Because what gamification does, at least for me is require a greater layer of intentionality. Like, why am I doing what am I doing? How, what right. am I telling the students? I focus a little more on what's the student's experience because they are moving from maybe activity to activity. Uh, is this a larger gamified experience where, like you said, we're uncovering this, but is that uncovering going to like connect to something later, you know, either both intellectually or game-wise, you know? So lots of things to think about on that, and I love it, but it, like you said, it's it's still a camera and a lens. I'm just like tilting that focus ring. And it's like, ooh, everything sort of snaps into clarity for me uh, with it on. So, all right. You mentioned, here's the other question I get. So you being like new to gamification this year, you were prepped, you were ready, you you read some things, you thought some things, you, t- you reached out to some other people to help you on this. Um uh, but another question I get a lot of times from new gamifiers is this sort of worry about parents or admin, like how much did you let them know ahead of time? Did you get technically approval or did you see it already as like, this is just good pedig? I don't need to have this approved by anybody. Like what was your journey there? What was your feeling on that? What's your thoughts on that? So for me, it worked out quite nicely in that I was wrapping up a master's program um, this past fall. And so in advance, um, you know, we had to do some sort of research, a case study. And so I decided, okay, great. I'm going to roll the gamification into that. Um, and, And so therefore I had to get for the case study research, I had to get administrative approval anyways. Um, But it also helped, kind of give it this extra scholarly level, the fact that it's in association with this university mm-hmm. master's degree program, this, this graduate program. And even with con- uh, communicating with home for the parents at the start of the year, having to send out um, consent forms and, and for people to opt in or not and in terms of taking part in, in the data that's being collected. And so I think that helps for some cases being able to say that that this isn't just some random guy that's that's trying to play a game with your kid during school, that it's this is something that is scholarly research in conjunction with this university and so forth. And I think just the connotation of that helps out a bit. Um, but in general, I think uh, I've, I've developed um, enough of a reputation in my time where I'm at that, that uh, I think people know that I'm, I try to make class engaging and interesting and fun um, as a colleague in another district who, who has a, a common family as, as one of my students. Uh, when, when one of these students during a parent-teacher night made a comment about, oh, this is the one that uh, is friends with Mr. Moriarty and then made some sort of comment, about, you know, he's one of those teachers that still tries – um, oh, that's like so, awesome and like sad at the same time. Yeah, it was it was kind of a bittersweet. I don't know if I should be. Yeah, um, but it's it's that kind of thing that I think people people know that, that I try to be engaging and interesting. 
mm-hmm. uh, that I'm not going to be the Ben Stiller character from Ferris Bueller, just standing there monotone, um, sure. lecture based and textbook based only. And so I think that helps. Um, and, and so far, I think just the buzz, the, the organic street, uh, street cred and reputation that it builds is going to take care of a lot of that going forward anyways. Yeah, that's what I try to tell people too. So if you don't have that angle of connected to some sort of university, uh, truly like parents, and for any of you educators out there listening that are parents, like think about your own child. Like you want them to be happy. You want them to be healthy. You want them to be in a safe space. And in a gamified classroom with that level of intentionality, with that level of joy surrounded around everything, I don't know, most kids are like excited to be there and be all in. And uh, the ones that aren't all in, like appreciate that their friend are all in, right? So like like you're saying about street cred, word on the street is like you care. Word on the street is like you're, you're doing right by the kids. Mm, not many parents are going to go in there and like poke at that when there are many other fish to fry, right? Right. So, well, I mean, part of the, the research that I did with this case study was, you know, a series of surveys and interviews with both students and parents, the ones who had opted in. And, you know, I have one parent in particular that, that I recall where uh, she pointed out that her daughter never cared for social studies. It was never one of her favorite subjects, but that every day she'd come home and it would be the first school related topic that she'd bring up is what we did in class or what we've done. And, how well she was doing and how these things motivate or engage or interest her. Um, and so when the parents see that, when they start to hear the uptick in, in their son or daughter voluntarily bringing up what they did in school, especially at that sixth grade level, because you have, it's kind of where kids start to push back a little bit more against school. Sure. Some kids. Um, and so for the kids to, for some of the kids who might not have gone home at the dinner table and, and said much about social studies or school in general uh, to all of a sudden start talking about it at the dinner table, I think that helps as well because now they know, okay, little Sally or Billy's actually really interested and engaged and that's not the norm for them and that's great. Um, so I think that helps as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely, for sure. Uh, all right, so another, another question to you, Sean, is – how have you felt the difference like as an educator? Like how has doing gamification changed you? For me, it, it has helped a lot this year, especially. Um, uh, obviously, it, it's, it's hard to, to compare to other years. But, um, you know, I worked fully remote last year uh, with my students. I had the kids who opted out for, for full remote uh, and just a great group of kids. And it was fun. Um, all things considered, but this year going back in, um, I think, you know, certainly in my building and, and across the PLM that I've got on Twitter and elsewhere, it certainly seems as if everybody kind of feels like this year is, is a much heavier lift than any previous. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think even though I think we all get those moments of a little bit of burnout here and there, um, and, and I think that the gamification piece has helped me keep my head above water because it, it's one, 
I'm, I'm probably doing better than I would have otherwise in terms of keeping these kids engaged and interested. Um, and so that helps me out because perhaps it's not as heavy a lift as it otherwise would have been in terms of the day to day and, and, and so forth. Um, it keeps me interested. It keeps me engaged. Um, most of my career was, was at that high school level teaching us history or a course on the Holocaust and things like that. And so ancient Mesopotamia and, and, uh, the Egyptians and the Mayans and, uh, the ancient Arabian Peninsula, these aren't the things that I've always taught. And, and I won't tell the kids this, but most of this isn't really stuff I'm super, super crazy interested in, uh, in my current course load. Um, and so it helps me because it, it kind of helps keep me more interested and wanting to get more into certain things. Sure. Because the more I know about Sargon, the more I know about uh, Thutmose the Third, whatever it might be, the more I can kind of play into that game. So it, it gives me reason to continue to bolster my own education as well. Um, and And it really helps me just kind of keep my head above water and keep my eyes focused forward. Nice. Uh, I, I like it. You know, I've heard from a lot of people that gamification has given them that sort of breath of fresh air again in, in what could have been just another year of teaching, right? It feels different. And I think for me, on that note of feeling different, uh, it also gives me a greater sense of agency. Like, I think before I felt more beholden to the curriculum more beholden to district goals and all these other things. And I don't want to say I'm ignoring them. I am not, but it, it was kind of like, but what piece of me is in here? And now those other things are still on the table for sure. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do in my district, but I also see myself in the classroom. And like that, I think is where I get the greatest sense of joy personally. Right. I, I obviously love designing great things for students but like personally that that i am represented in the class uh and its fabric and its style uh that's that's what i love um your point (laughs) about subject matter too i think about this is great too I, i used to suggest this when you're thinking through if you want to gamify a single unit maybe choose the one you're the least interested in. <laughs> right. right? Like that, If because if you're not interested, the odds are the kids aren't going to be as interested. So um, I love your point of, you know, making a game around something makes you have to kind of almost learn a little more. I want to know these characters. What would be a cool little vignette or storyline about Egypt? Uh, and being able to do that and put that up, pull that off, you have to, know the material a little bit so it also just helps me with my similar to what you've already kind of said though it helps me with my own interest engagement enthusiasm level too because egypt goes well the kids are always inclined to be interested in egypt that's kind of the easy unit of my year um but the kids don't come in knowing anything about ancient mesopotamia they've never heard of it they've never heard about sargon or hammurabi or any of these guys um and and some of it is interesting to me, but there's a lot of it that might otherwise be dry or just not as engaging. And so when I'm able to gamify this and, and either find a little nugget that I use as part of my storyline 
or just the fact that we're, we're going at it in this different approach, this more fun approach, uh, that helps too because I tend to, for better or worse, I tend to uh, feed off the student energy. Yeah. And on those days where, where it's that dark and dreary Monday morning in February and, and everybody's tired and, and I have a harder time getting things ramped up because it's, it's kind of going into that emptiness. Whereas if they're excited, if they're interested, it keeps me even more excited and even more interested. So I feed off them and they feed off me in this odd little symbiotic relationship and so having having ways to make things more engaging and fun and interesting is is a hit all the way around. So on that note, I guess I want to transition to you. You've also this year become a member of EMC Two Learning and have tried and done some of those things. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about joining that community and how that has helped your classroom. Yeah, it's it's been tremendous. Um, it's something that that was natural anyways, right? Because throughout the last few years, uh, whether it was your XP lab community mm-hmm. uh, or networking with John Meehan uh, and just other people, Adam Powley, uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Halsey, Ryan Stevens, et cetera, et cetera. There's a million of them and apologies to 99% of you. <laughs> that I but um, it, it's something where there's, there's just, it's an amazing fraternity of of people who are so open, uh, so generous uh, with their time, with their ideas, with their feedback, with whatever it might be. It's not the kind of group where it's, um, hey, I'm working on X, Y, Z. Uh, anybody have any ideas or any any thoughts on this element? And then you, you know, in some cases, you might have otherwise gotten just a bunch of people giving you a teachers pay teachers link um, to buy something. Mm-hmm. But with with this group, it's everything is is just kind of this open source sharing. Um, and when you go into into EMC two, uh, there's just so many different resources in there, different ideas. Some of them uh, I use kind of as either yourself or John or whoever. Has, has designed it. In other cases, it's just kind of a jumping off point where, um, you know, we recently did one with Mesopotamia um, and we were finishing things off. And, and so I kind of tied in from ancient Babylon. Uh, I, you know, EMC2 had this whole thing on, on the Jenga towers. Yeah. Um, and so I, to be honest, I didn't even read uh, or watch the video that talks about what the version in EMC2 was. I was just trying to think, and I saw the Jenga Tower, and I thought Tower of Babel. And and so I basically just freewheeled my own idea uh, as far as a review game as part of a boss battle. Um, and and it may or may not be pretty much what you guys have. I'm not sure. I have, still haven't gone back to look at that part, but it's a great source of either just coming up with your own iterations taking what's already there and being able to plug and play with that or just making small minor tweaks and modifications. Um, and, and so I know my subscription comes up this month perhaps, or maybe it was last or this next one It's coming up right around now. Um, and it's, it's a no brainer for me because it, it's, it's just a, it's, it's probably the greatest, this is, this probably sounds hyperbolic, but it's probably the greatest, 
single teaching tool I've picked up at all is, is just having this database, this resource, this community that's at your fingertips 24 seven. Um, and, and, you know, everybody does such a great job with, with the appeal, the, the intentionality, the graphics, the, the pedagogy, everything is just, it's there. Um, I appreciate so you that. saying that. That's Say enough, I guess. <laughs> that's super awesome. I really appreciate that. Uh, well, I mean, we are excited to continue to have you and others part of the community for sure. Uh, I love, like you said, that 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 fraternity of people from EMC two and uh, Explore Like a Pirate and John Meehan's Adrenaline Rush. Like all these communities are just such passionate teachers, and when you put that concentration of passionate teachers, you can't help yourself but be that right like you you rise to that level so uh i love seeing you grow throughout this year too i mean like the things you posted uh i mean your kids look like they're having a great time you look like you're having a great time and i'm i'm just thankful for that so thank you so much for taking the leap and and putting into practice something that's different right something that's i mean you 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 took a risk and i love it i love your story for sure yeah, well, thank you to, to guys like you and John and, and so many others, because if if the two of you in your original books with, with DBC Inc. And, and everything else, if, if they hadn't, if you guys hadn't taken that risk of putting that together and, and Dave Burgess didn't take the risk of publishing it and all these other things, um, and, you know, if I didn't kind of just say, hey, we have some downtime back in March of 2020, where everything was shut down. We didn't know what we were going to do. And I'm that guy that can't just sit on my hands and Me neither. I'm not a good relaxing kind of person. I need things to do. And so I poured over your book and John's book and several others in, in very short order because, and, and immediately just taking notes, you know, full notebooks and, and all kinds of things with just ideas and everything, all these synapses firing. Um, it was, yeah so thank you guys because who knows where i'd be otherwise (laughs) you bet uh all right we have reflection time and this one i think this really fits Uh, this one is a new challenge keeps the brain ticking or sorry brain kicking and the heart ticking how does that hit you with the fact that you tried a whole new challenge uh i think that's 100 percent true it's so it, it's what I'm doing with most things I try to do all the time is is kind of what I just said, right? I don't like to sit still. Nope. Um, so I'm always looking for, for something else to be doing to move on. Uh, and and once, once the end of June comes and school's out, that's always my most dangerous time because then I, it's where I pick up all these other little projects that I try to do uh, and tend to overextend myself. But um, – it's it's those challenges are what keep me moving, what keep me interested, engaged, and, and keeps me finding joy oftentimes. And so whether that's in the classroom with uh, the gamification and finding new ways, um, my class has a you know the base of it is is the same year to year, I suppose. But um, I can't just take last year's lesson plan book and say, okay, I'm all done, I'm ready to roll because there's always things that are changing, new challenges, new ways to incorporate things. Um, so whether it's that or 
um, my foolishness trying to run this this whole lucky challenge of four or five Ks over two weekends. Um, all these different weird little challenges that I like to do because why not? And life is short, so keep moving and keep moving that ball forward. I love it. Uh, for me, the brain keeps uh, kicking and the heart keeps ticking. That Those two have like a synergistic relationship for me. Like I love to think things through and kind of puzzle something out and make it happen. And when I then see my students benefit from that, that's where the heart like just takes over, right? Like to create something and then have somebody love what you create. Oof, that's just, that's highly addictive. There's a huge hit of that's dopamine, huge hit of dopamine for sure when that happens. So, uh, all right, Sean, thank you so much for coming on to well played for the first time. I'd love to have you always. You're welcome to come back on as a guest for sure. All right. Thank you. Everyone else. Thank you so much for joining us today on another well played podcast. If you want to sort of interact with us, you can use the hashtag well played podcast and tag me at Mr. Matera. And I'd love to hear from you. And as always, Stay awesome, get out there, and have a great day.